I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And although we put the scriptures on the screen, I always invite you, if possible, to have your Bibles out. It gives you an opportunity to see where in the scripture uh, this passage is coming from, who it is that's speaking, the part of the whole that it makes up. So I always invite you to take your Bibles, if you will. Turn with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 17, where the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and says, So... If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors of Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we are so grateful for your love and grace and for this privilege of worship and the opportunity now to study your holy word together. So God, as I stand before these, your people, this is your church. Wherever we may be, we are your church. So pour out your Holy Spirit and may this be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We continue our series today on the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Because what we believe about God is almost, if not as important, as believing in God altogether. How do we understand this faith of ours, this God who's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, this God who is beyond us, this God who is with us, this God who is within us? Last week, we joined together and, and we talked about God the Father, the per, first person of the Trinity. And we, accelerate, we celebrated this God who is, who is so far beyond us, this God who is awesome, the creator who can simply say the words, this God who is all-powerful, that nothing is impossible with God, and yet a God who allows us to have that intimate parent-child relationship our Father, even Abba, Father, Daddy, Papa, an intimacy with the all-powerful God. But today we look at the second person of the Trinity, Jesus the Christ. What is God doing in and through Jesus Christ? Each week we join together and we share the Apostles' Creed. Earlier in this service, we join together to reaffirm our faith and we share together as the church and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. 
He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Jesus the Christ, it's such a vital part of our faith and our theology that God comes to us in human form through Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, the Messiah, our Savior, our Lord. Dr. Shirley Guthrie, who was a professor at Columbia Theological Seminary outside of Atlanta and Decatur, he was my advisor when I did my doctoral work and a great, amazing theologian to have the opportunity to learn under and listen to. In his book, Christian Doctrine, Dr. Guthrie says, It is no accident that the part of the creed dealing with Christ is the longest part. This is the one doctrine that gives meaning and content to all others. All doctrines of the Christian faith are related to Christ as spokes to the hub of a wheel. Everything else Christians believe stands or falls with what they believe about Jesus. Now, hear that again. It's so vital, especially in the theology of the church today. Hear these words. Everything else Christians believe stands or falls with what they believe about Jesus. Now, one of the things about Christianity is our faith is countercultural. Countercultural. We have to understand that what we believe, what we do, is opposite of most of what we see and hear in our culture and in our world today. Our culture tends to be egocentric. In other words, I am at the center of it. Uh, I've heard people joke before, you know, we all understand this is your world and we just have the privilege of living in it. Well, we joke about that, but sometimes we live our lives a little bit as if it's all about us and everyone else just has the privilege of being part of our lives, our world. I'm the center. So we constantly hear, well, I think, I feel, and therefore I... And if we add that to our faith, we'll even hear then, so the reason I am a Christian is because I, and fill in the blank. Biblical theology, though, is not egocentric. It's about God. The emphasis of biblical theology, Christian theology, Orthodox theology, is the emphasis is on what God is doing. How has God acted? What is God doing in our world? Who does God call us to be? For example, John 3, 16, that favorite scripture that we often quote and love is where Jesus says, Jesus himself says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The emphasis is obviously on what God is doing. In other words, instead of egocentric, I in the center, it's theocentric. God is in the center, or Christocentric, which means Christ is the center. But one of the things I love from the scripture that the Apostle Paul is writing as he's writing this letter to the church at Corinth is he said in verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. 
But all this, all of it, is from God. It's a God thing. It's what God is doing. So the real reason then that I am a Christian is because God, dot, 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 fill in the blank. That God has done something. God has acted decisively. The, the focus of our faith and our theology is what God has done for us. God has acted. Now the challenge for us and the invitation for us is do we accept it? Do we receive it? Or do we reject it? But it all centers, Paul teaches, our theology teaches, that it all centers in and through the person and the work of Jesus the Christ. And I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. This passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we read, is Paul's second, actually maybe his third or more letter to the church at Corinth. It even appears that 1 Corinthians is not really the first letter Paul wrote to Corinth, first one that we may have. But Paul had this relationship with the church at Corinth. He loved the people at Corinth. They communicated regularly back and forth together. But things have become strained. It appears that there was a teacher or teachers who come behind Paul, challenging Paul, questioning Paul, questioning his legitimacy, and that some of the church actually began to, to go away from Paul and, and, and listen to these false teachers. Paul is actually hurt. He is offended. But the word comes that, that they do love him. They've repented and turned back to their faith and back to their theology. They're inviting Paul back. He writes this letter. It's his third longest letter. And in it, Paul emphasizes this is a God thing. God is doing some amazing work in and through Jesus Christ that God is actually intervening on our behalf. Now listen to these words again, picking up at verse 18, 2 Corinthians 5, 18, when Paul said, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses and sins against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. Now I want you to hear this good news. The good news is that God is the one who actively seeks to restore and reconcile the broken relationship with us. When you read some of the Bible commentaries, when you look at some of your study Bibles, you'll see that there's actually a twist that's occurring here on reconciliation that we have to be careful to notice. For example, in the Holman Bible Dictionary, it says, In the restoration of relationship between God and humanity, reconciliation occurs with an unexpected twist. God, God, the injured party, takes the initiative. It's God. The one that we offended is the one who takes the initiative to restore the relationship. In the HarperCollins Study Bible, for example, the scholars go on to say, in ancient thought, reconciliation involved the removal of enmity and the establishment or restoration of friendship. 
Paul not only applies it to the divine human relationship, but also alters the way in which friendship with God is affected. Now listen to this. The responsibility for reconciliation normally resided with those who were responsible for rupturing a relationship. But in contrast to normal expectations, Paul presents God as the reconciler. I mean, do you, do you hear this? This is not about us trying to restore a relationship with God. Egocentric. This is about God seeking to restore a relationship with us through Jesus Christ. This is a God thing. This is a Christ thing. This is a salvation moment. God has acted and therefore we are reacting. Romans 5 verse 8 when Paul says, God proves his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's a God thing. Our salvation is not about how do we get to God? How are we made right with God? It's about how God is making things right through Christ. How God is reconciling us. I mean, I want you to catch this. Do you hear then that your God, our God, loves you so much that God acted decisively in Jesus Christ to reconcile his relationship with us, even though God was the offended party and we were the ones who broke the relationship. Now that tells you something about this God that we love and believe in. 1 John 4.10 puts it this way, And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Do you see this? The, the action of salvation to the world is a God act. It's something that God is doing through Jesus Christ. And the beautiful thing, when we think about our theology, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God and three persons, then that means the God on the cross was God on the cross. That God was willing to self-sacrifice and become the atoning sacrifice because He loved us so much that He would do that for us. I mean, we know it's God. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. You skip down to verse 14, And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. Back to John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that everyone who believes in Him may not perish but have everlasting life. Eugene Peterson says, God gave His Son, His one and only Son. Dr. Brad Johnson, who is a professor as well as pastor, writes, God is not sitting on His heavenly sideline, sending in plays by remote control, 
for us to execute. He has chosen to join us on the field. In fact, He is with us. He is, in fact, with us. God engaged. God gets involved. God Himself chose to humble Himself, come live among us in the person and work of Jesus the Christ, and God Himself chose to die so that you and I can be reconciled to Him. It's a God thing. Now, one of the critiques that we sometimes hear in Christianity, but that just seems so exclusive. Christianity seems so exclusive. Are you telling me the only way we get to God is through Jesus Christ? But again, isn't it interesting how we turn it to make it egocentric of how we accomplish something? The focus of our theology is what God has done. The biblical focus is on how God has saved us, how God came for the world, how God intervened for the world. Exclusive? Our theology couldn't be more inclusive. Again, listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 18, 19. He said, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Listen carefully to verse 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. John chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus himself says, and when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Exclusive, God's love and grace through Jesus Christ couldn't be more inclusive. It's for the world. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some may think of slowness, but is patient with you, catch this, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Exclusive? What God was offering through Jesus Christ was for the world. Again, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that whosoever would believe in Him would never perish but have everlasting life. God's love and God's grace is for you and for me. There is not one person And I hope that you hear this. There is not one person in this world that God does not love enough to die for. Did you catch that? Whoever you are, what you may be feeling, what you may be thinking, hear this. There is not one person in this world, including you and me, that God did not love enough to die for. Oh, His love and grace, it is so inclusive, but it includes me and you and all the world when we receive Him as our Savior and as our Lord. This is a God thing. God in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. Now, we have to be careful with this theology. 
A friend of mine not long ago was in a conversation with a group of people and they were discussing theology, they were discussing Christology, they were discussing some of the denominational issues and other things that go on in our lives and in our world. And, and as part of the conversation when they were kind of disagreeing with each other, one looked at the other and said, but can you tell me that all the pastors, all the clergy in this room really believe that Jesus is essential? And the sad part was there couldn't be agreement that Jesus is essential among even all the clergy. This is our faith. This is our theology, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that, that God loved us so much that, that God acts in an amazing way, reconciling the world to himself through Jesus Christ. All this is from God. That in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. So Paul says in verse 20, so, so it's all because of what God is doing. We now are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you, he says, on behalf of Christ, on behalf of Jesus Christ. Be reconciled to God. He says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And our faith, what you believe about God is just as important as if you believe at all. Because we have a God who didn't wait for us to try to figure out how we can reconcile a broken relationship that we broke. We have a God that even though we broke the relationship, God took the initiative and God himself humbled himself, left the glory of heaven, died on a cross for you and for me so that we could be reconciled, the broken relationship restored. God has given everything to be in a relationship with you and with me and with his world to be reconciled. When I look at what's happening in our world today, the violence that we've already talked about and grieved together and continue to grieve together, our world is broken. The relationship with God has been broken and God is seeking to restore it and we need to be reconciled with God. How can we ever have peace on earth until we, the people of God, are reconciled with God to become the people that God has called us to be? So Paul says, so we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So I ask you today, What's your relationship like with God? Because even though we may be the ones who broke it, God's the one who made the first step. One of the things I love about the stained glass window behind me as part of our worship here is it's a stained glass of Jesus. And there's a couple of things that I hope you'll notice. One is that one knee is slightly bent because the image was to be it's God coming to us. Do you catch that? God so loved the world, he came to us. 
God did the work. It's a God thing. God reconciling us through Jesus Christ. The other is the arms of Christ are open. Because our God is not one who saw, well, you broke the relationship with me and God doesn't sit here like this. But you have a God who comes to you, comes to you like this. Seeking an embrace. The one who was the offended one is the one who gives his life so that once again you can embrace him as your God. Paul said in verse 17, So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. Everything has become new. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. Do you? Amen.